0: Father, we pray to you in this moment because you are the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper. You and you alone are God and you and you alone are holy and good. And so God, we turn to you. And Father, we admit that our hearts hurt for the tragedies and the pain in this world. Father, we turn to you in this moment knowing that there are families right now down in Uvalde, Texas, facing unbearable grief. And we pray your comfort, your mercy, your compassion, your peace upon them. Father, our hearts turn in this moment to all those families who have lost loved ones through the military. God, we're grateful for the sacrifice and the service of those who have given the ultimate sacrifice for us, for our freedom. But God, we hate that we live in a world where we even need military protection God our hearts long for home we long for heaven and so until the day that we stand with you there in your perfect peace and in your presence we ask that you you would use us as your church to accomplish your will here to bring heaven to earth here that this world may look more like that one and God we pray this that you would get the glory that you would get the honor That you would use us, your people, in the ways you choose. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, have you ever thought what it must be like for God to hear some of our prayers? Like, some of our prayers, I'm thinking, have to sound a little bit wonky to God. Like, I catch myself doing this. So I pray, God, would you be with so-and-so? God, would you be with me? Yet, we know that Jesus has promised that he's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. He's always going to be with us. But yet, I ask him to be with me. He's like, yeah, I already am. Huh? Right? Or those times when I say, God, you know, can you, can you do this or that? You know, I, I wonder about some of my prayers. You know, God, keep me safe. Even though he promised that we would be hated by the world, that we would have persecution, that trials would come our way, that temptations would happen, that this world is unsafe, it's not quite right, it is an unsettling world to live in, and yet I pray for his protection sometimes in pretty lame ways, I admit. There there are times when some of my prayers just seem kind of trivial. God, would you help me find a parking spot? Because that is an eternally significant issue for me in this moment, right? Or God, my lawnmower just won't start. Would you you help the mower to start? I mean, and not that God doesn't want us to pray even about the smallest details of life. But I think he doesn't want us to just pray about those things. Sometimes I wonder that God is just shaking his head thinking, boy, what are you praying for? You know, like, God, would you bless his barbecue bacon double cheeseburger and my fried cheese curds and this large root beer to the nourishment of my body in Jesus' name? Yeah, I mean that's like one step ahead of Dear 8 Pound 6 ounce Baby Jesus Thank you for this bountiful harvest of Domino's KFC And the ever delicious Taco Bell And those of you who know where that's from Are just waiting for the lightning to strike in this moment right? Sometimes, how do our prayers sound to God? What well, might it be like if our prayers were shaped a little bit more Maybe if they sounded a little bit more like Hey God, give me the courage to walk in step with you today. God, make me a threat to the forces of hell and the powers of evil in this world. God, give me the courage to be your person. Teach me to honor you with every decision I make today. See, I think sometimes we are praying it way too safe. So as we wrap up this series, Conversations with God, my challenge for all of us, my encouragement for all of us here today, those of you joining us online, those of you in the room, my challenge is that we would be people who pray a bit more dangerously. Let's pray it dangerously. Because that's exactly what Samuel did. Samuel was a young boy, about 12 years old. He served in the temple and and worked under the priest Eli. Eli. And he wanted to honor Eli. Eli, the man of God, should be honoring God. The problem was, Eli wasn't really honoring God. Eli had turned his heart away from God. Eli's family was a wreck. And Eli was supposed to discipline them. The the nation was a wreck. They were supposed to be turned back. And Eli's job was turned, but he wasn't. And so things were a bit out of whack there. And, And young Samuel, serving under the priest, went to sleep one night. And then God called his name, Samuel. Samuel. But Sam wasn't expecting to hear from God, so he jumped out of bed. and He ran into Eli's room. Eli wakes up. He's a bit disoriented because every adult loves to be awakened in the middle of the night by a young child's voice. That's just part of parenting. And so Eli wakes up, and Samuel says, did you call my name? Did you call my name? No. No, I didn't. You go back to sleep, little dude. So Samuel goes back to sleep. A bit later, Samuel, Samuel, God calls Sam wakes up, runs back to Eli's room. Eli, did you call my name this time? No, 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 little man. Maybe you just ate something bad before you went to sleep. Go, go back to bed. Happens again. Here's the voice, runs back. Eli, did you call my name this time? Eli's like, no, no, uh-oh. No, I didn't call your name, But, but it might just be that God is trying to speak to you. If you hear him call your name again, Let him know you want to hear what he has to say. And so God then does come and call Samuel as before, Samuel, Samuel. And this time Samuel replies, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now that's a dangerous prayer. But what strikes me is he's listening. You you know, if prayer is just keeping company with God, having a conversation with God, communicating with God as we believe it is, then it would make sense that we would allow God to do some of the talking in that conversation. You know, any good relationship has communication as part of what makes the relationship good and strong and healthy. And, And any good communication requires both people being involved in the conversation. Now, my family will tell you, I got a lot of words, but I do try to listen You know, God has given us two ears, one mouth. We're wise if we do the math and live accordingly. So a good conversation means that I hit pause and I listen to those around me. Well, if that's what makes for a healthy relationship with another person, of course that helps make for a relationship healthy with God, is if we're listening to God. So that means prayer is not just us talking to God, but prayer is also listening to God. But in order to listen to him, we've got to hit pause on our own talking sometimes. Some of us have a whole lot of words. I admit that. I, I got a lot of words. Some of you have a lot of words. Some of you, you don't have many. But no matter what, sometimes we can approach prayer doing all the talking and not much listening. We need to listen more. To hear the audible voice of God, maybe we need to stop and listen. You know, and is that what that means, you know, praying, listening to God? Does that mean we're going to hear God's audible voice that Maybe. It might be like Morgan Freeman speaking to you in King James English. I don't know. I've never heard his voice that way. You might, probably not, but you might. I've not, but I have heard God speak in other ways. And I think we all can. First, most obvious, most reliable way that we hear God is through his word. God speaks to us in his word. It's written to other people. We're written for us, right? Had a context in history, but it's applicable through all of history. And God's going to speak to us. He's going to encourage us. He's going to comfort us. He's going to challenge us. He's going to convict us. going to guide us. going to instruct us. going to lead us and prompt us through his word. And when we're praying, he will remind us of what we have encountered in his word. And if you tell me you've not heard from God, I would challenge that you probably aren't spending enough time reading and engaging with the Bible. And then when we pray, if we just hit pause for a moment and allow God to speak, he's going to remind us of what we saw in his word, what we encountered there. He's going to give us verses and passages and images and thoughts that align with his word. God might also speak to you through people. He often does speak to us through one another. He may speak to you through the small group you have, through your rooted group. He, I hope, would speak to you through preachers and their sermons and through musicians and their music, through authors and their books he may speak to you through the wise godly counsel of a mentor some trusted others god will also speak to us through his spirit he'll prompt us and nudge us if you believe in jesus if you've surrendered your life to jesus if you follow jesus then his spirit lives in you you have the holy spirit living in you he wants to fill you and he wants to fill you but you gotta let him fill you it means you got to turn to him, you got to acknowledge him, you got to allow the spirit to guide you and prompt you and to instruct you, to remind you of what you've encountered in God's word. And the spirit may lead you at times to do some things that seem just crazy and impossible and radical and maybe call somebody out of the blue, maybe give something to somebody to help them out, And but the spirit will nudge you, guide you away from sin and toward right relationship with God, guide you in an interaction with others to do certain things and avoid certain bad things. The Spirit's going to move like that. Now, this does beg the question, how do we know when it's God speaking to us and not just the big burrito we ate before we went to sleep? Because right? sometimes you hear something like, "Yeah, that's a spirit, but that ain't God's spirit speaking to me. Woo! So how do we know? Well, let me give you two simple filters. They're not the only filters to use, but they're the first two primary filters to use. One is the devil is never going to prompt you to give glory to God. Uh, the devil's never going to do something, unless he's had you do something radically crazy and want you to blame God for some crazy activity. But he's never going to glorify God. So you may hear from some people, even some well-intentioned people who are a bit misguided, nudging you to do something that seems good, but it steals glory from God. Or it's not aligned with his word. And that's the second thing, is that God is never going to speak contrary to his word. What he says in scripture, he's not going to then contradict By speaking to you. So if you feel that nudging, that prompting, you hear that voice, you are getting wisdom from another, you know it's God if it's giving him glory and lined up with his word. Those are the first two filters to begin with. But this means if we're going to hear from God, that we acknowledge that he is speaking, right? Yet God is always speaking. But are we listening? Are we listening? to what God is saying to us. You know, in order for us to listen, we, we've got to stop the talking sometimes. You, you know, some of us, we've got a lot of words. We've we got to stop how much talking we're doing. You ever have one of those conversations with somebody where it feels like you just can't get a word in edgewise? Like they're just yapping the trap and they won't shut it. You ever have one of those times? Or it gets to the point where they just are done and they just they, they want to say their piece and then turn and walk away. You know, like wow, that was a really one set of conversation. Or they just end the dialogue, right? Maybe it's a digital dialogue through email or text messaging, social media, and they just say the piece and they're done and there's no more conversing with them. I wonder if God ever feels like we're doing that to him, that we've just ghosted him. I wonder if God has ever just listened to His yep, 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 yep. And he's just like, oh, time out, time out. I wonder if God ever feels like pulling out the Mr. T voice and like, Stop it. I don't need none of your jibba jabba, right? He just wants us to stop jabbing at him and say, pause. I got something to say too. I appreciate you bringing that to me, but I love you and I got something that you need to hear also. So so sometimes to hear God's voice, we got to stop our own voice, but we also need to stop all the other noise going on around us. It's not just our talking. It's all the clamoring of the world. Psalm forty six ten tells us to be still and know that He is God. Notice that it doesn't say doesn't say be frantic and know that He's God. Be so busy you don't even have any margin for anything else in life. Just fill your calendar and your schedule so stinking full that you're just running ragged all the time. Just just run 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 and find me on the go. Try to meet with me in the busyness of life, and then you'll experience my presence. No 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 no. He says none of that. He says stop. Pause. Call a time out and be still. The essence of this in the original language is still yourself in my presence and you'll know that I am God and you're not. Be still. Maybe that means we just need to hit the pause button on Hulu and Netflix and Amazon and Disney. We need to stop the scrolling and trolling on Facebook and Insta for just a moment. Hit pause on the Snapchatting and TikToking, pause the gaming. Wait to hit the weights. Wait to jump on the bike and go to the gym. Wait to just get in the van and hustle and bustle the kids and shuffle them around to wherever they got to go and all those meetings and all the obligations and all the things you have going on. Just hit pause for just one moment. Friend, when was the last time you hit the pause button? And you took some time to just sit in the presence of God. To listen for his voice. For what he might want to speak to you. To encourage you. To direct you. To guide you. To love you. To nudge you. To correct. Be still. And know that he is God. That means sometimes we just got to hit the pause button on all the things going on in this world. And I know. I know some of you are thinking, yeah, that sounds awesome. I would love to get some time with God. I'd love to like carve out fifteen minutes, twenty minutes, half an hour, an hour, and just sit in His presence. But man, I've got some of obligations. I mean, I I got obligations at work. I got stuff I got to do with the family. I got to be at this place and that place, and the stuff at church has me so busy, and all these hobbies that I got, and I just fits. I'd love to hit pause, but man, I I can't find time for God. I can't even find time for myself. And if that's you, if your schedule is so full, if you're so busy that you can't find time to just breathe, if you have no margin to listen, then listen to this because this might be the best thing you hear all year. If your schedule is that full and you're that frantic, then hitting pause is exactly what you need to do. If you find yourself being so busy, that you don't have time to pray, then the reality is you're actually too busy not to pray. Because all those other things that are demanding your time, they're going to lead you astray. All those things that are clamoring for your attention, all that other stuff is going to come unraveled, and it's going to come apart because you're not surrendering it to him. So maybe that means you just have to start employing the holy no. Sometimes somebody asks, just no. I'd like to, but no. Because I need to carve some time for God. Maybe it means you wake up a little bit earlier and you find some time to meet with God before all the craziness of the day begins, before the kids, before the work, before the school, before the workouts, before whatever it is, and you just find time to meet with God in that moment, in the stillness and the quiet to hear his voice if you're too busy for that then you're too busy not to do that and, and i know how easy it is to get caught up in the business it's so insidious it just sneaks in and it leads us astray and it wears us out and then we get to this place where we're just worn out we're tired from it all Uh, I wonder if that was some of what played into what was going on in the garden the night before Jesus was crucified. Like, Jesus has a nice dinner with his friends, takes him to a garden, says we're gonna have a prayer time, tells the guys, I want you to stay here, keep watch, and keep praying. They taste a couple of them and they go on a little bit further. And then Jesus comes back to these guys at one point and they've fallen asleep. He's like, guys, come on, wake up. All you gotta do is just wake up and pray. And then he goes off and this happens a few times and he keeps coming back. So, a few months ago around Easter time, my family and I were reading this passage. We we try to read the Bible in the evening. ...and talk about it and pray about it, and so it was one of those nights, and we're talking about this, I'm listening to one of my kids read this story of Jesus coming back and and rebuking his friends because they can't stay awake to pray, and the whole time, there's somebody in the family whose eyes are just so heavy, they can't stay awake, and I'm watching this thing happen, and listen, in my defense, it was a really long day, and I was just dog tired, and preacher boy could not stay awake for family devotion time. It was a terrible moment, right? And so we're reading the Bible and I'm just trying to keep my eyes open and I'm fighting with everything I have. And then we're praying and I'm trying to, and so I just told him, hey, somebody has to let you know what it was like for Jesus. I'm just role playing, y'all. Now, in my defense, I think God understands that God understands he gets that we get tired. And that's okay. It's not a sin to be tired and need sleep. In fact, sometimes the most godly thing you can do is just close your eyes and rest for a bit. And let God replenish you through the natural rhythm he's given for your body to rest. Now, that would be a really sad story if the only time I'd carved out that day was that evening, if the only time I'd carved out to pray and to meet with God was during that family devotion time. But I know myself. I know I get tired late at night, so I don't wait until then to get time with God. No, I begin when the alarm goes off I begin trying to turn my thoughts to him it doesn't always work sometimes I got to have reminders there of like <clears throat> you know all the things of the world come at me no no pause all that noise and meet with Jesus get in the presence of the father and I have scheduled times where I try to meet with him throughout the day I have an app on my phone that reminds me that it's just time to pause time to breathe time to meet with God and I try to be conscious of him like we talked about when we kicked the series off, just practicing withness, that God is with me throughout the day, that he's always there, present, and having those moments. And when prayer needs come up, and so you're saying, oh, I'm going to pray for you later, praying in that moment with somebody so I don't forget. And just allowing God, allowing myself to recognize that God is with me. Because what I've noticed is if I, if I confine prayer to just one or two short segments of the day, I'm going to miss out on so much that God has for me. I'm gonna miss out on what God is wanting to do in me and through me and for me. And so I need to engage with him throughout the day. And yes, I do still try and pray at the end of the night, usually not as late as we did that one particular night, but if I'm a little too tired, I know that I've had time with God throughout the day and it's okay. But to pray this prayer like Samuel did, speak God I'm listening, that's a radically dangerous prayer. Because what God said to Samuel in that moment was not an easy message. I'm listening, God. And God didn't say, oh, Sammy, I'm so glad that we're chatting now. Listen, I'm about to pour my blessing out upon all the people. And you get the golden ticket to be my messenger to go tell them all the good news. It's not what he said. He didn't say, oh, Sammy, I know there's this really cute girl at your church. You've had your eye on her. I know because I see all things I made her too. By the way, just keep being friends with her because someday y'all are going to like be married and you're going to have two awesome kids who will never have any problems, And you're going to have a super cool dog, long-haired German shepherd. You're going to drive the dream car. Your dreams have a beautiful house. You're going to be a rich and famous YouTube influencer. He didn't say any of that to, to him. What he said was, hey, Samuel, here's the deal. I know that you honor Eli because he's a man of God. Problem is Eli has not been honoring me. And so Samuel I need you to tell him that judgment is coming. Judgment is coming to him to his household and to this nation because he has not done his job of turning their hearts back to me. And Samuel I need you to take this message to him so that I can make things right with my people. Twelve years old that's the message little Sammy hears from God. God what a beautiful blessing to be his messenger, to have the interaction with God, but a heavy message to take. You know, when we offer ourselves to God and we say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening, it's a dangerous prayer because usually, in fact, every time that I can think of in scripture when God gives an assignment to one of his people, He says, here's what I want you to do, here's the assignment. I can't think of too many times where it was an easy one. I mean, Noah, hey, go build this ark. What's that? Yep, make it happen. Okay. Hey, Mary, you're going to be the Messiah, mommy. Hey, Paul, go tell the Romans that their religion is wrong. By the way, they're going to throw you in prison, probably, and probably die for that, but just go let them know. Sweet. Get to it right after lunch, God. Sounds like a good plan. Like, the message is rarely easy. And so sometimes when, when they received a message, people in Scripture, like we see, like some of them responded like Moses did with this immediate reluctance. Here I am, but... I'd rather you send somebody else. Like, oh, go tell Pharaoh, the most important, like the, 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 the big name guy, one of the, the most influential, powerful people on the planet, go tell him that he should let all his slaves go. Like he should let his money makers leave. Well, that sounds like a good plan. You know, God, maybe you should send somebody else. Like Moses is like, here I am, but I'm reluctant. Then you got guys like Jonah who were like, oh, here I am, but I ain't going. Like, forget reluctance. It was just flat-out refusal. Oh, go tell the Ninevites, my enemy, these people who are brutal and nasty, that they should repent so that they can get to know. No, God, I would literally rather have them burn in hell. I ain't going. Send somebody else. Send no one else for all I care. Flat-out refusal. But if you're familiar with those stories, you know what happens. They end up where God wanted them to anyway. So we would be better off to just link ourselves up with people like Isaiah See, Isaiah had taken some time to get apart from the distractions of this world, and get in the presence of God. And when he did that, he saw God for who he is in all his holiness, his majesty, his wonder, his might, his power. That God is holy and perfect and that God alone is God. And when he saw God for who he is, he saw himself for who he is. His initial response is, God, you're holy and I'm I'm sinful. I don't deserve to even be in your presence, let alone speak to you. I'm sinful. I'm unclean. I don't belong here. You know, that's what happens when we see God for who he is, is we get a better understanding of ourselves. One of the great lies of our day is that we believe that we're good people, that that we are sufficient enough on our own. I don't really need to pray because I don't really need God because I got it under control, and I'm pretty good. I mean, as a good person, why would I need to go to God? I'm I'm all right. I mean, I'm not as bad as that person. The reality is, friend, let me tell you, you're not as good as you think you are. I know and you know that every one of us has had some really dark, evil, nasty thoughts that we'd rather not anyone else know, that we have sin tendencies, that we have rebelled against God, That we have thought evil things of other people that if we're really honest and we take assessment we're honestly not that good and isaiah was face to face with that reality and then god said oh but i'm going to remove all that guilt from you and i'm going to invite you into my presence it's okay now for us we have an even better deal Because we stand on the other side of the cross and we stand on the other side of the grave and we know the whole story. That there is a God who loves us enough that he would enter into this world and sacrifice for us. That he took a cross that was meant for our rebellion and our sinfulness and our ungoodness. I think that's a word now. And he took that from us to make us right with him. So he can invite us into his presence and make us right with him, make us right with ourselves, make us right with one another. And he says, no longer are you my enemy, you are now my child. And though on your own you don't deserve to be here, you don't belong in my presence, now you do because now you're mine. The guilt is gone. Come into my presence. What a beautiful thing. And so when that happened for Isaiah, he was able to respond when God asked this question, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. No refusal, no reluctance, full on Send me, I'm here. And we do well to respond the same way. See this prayer that we pray, God, speak to me. Next slide, please. God, speak to me. Here I am, I'm listening. This only makes sense if we're willing to respond also, here I am, I'm willing. You listen and don't respond with willingness, that's a bad place to be. So we got to listen, but we also got to respond. You know, when you pray dangerous prayers like this, be prepared because it will disrupt your life. God, I'm listening and I'm willing. God is going to come in, he's going to shake some things up. He's going to have you drive to another part of town to do something for somebody you don't even know to be a blessing to them. He might lead you to, like cash it all in and move to a different state, move to a different country, move to a different city. I don't know, he might he might just say, hey, invite your neighbor to come sit with you at church next week, or maybe go across the street and that family who's struggling right now to put food on the table, maybe you need to invite them over to your table. I don't know what God's gonna prompt you to do, but I do know this, when you pray, I'm listening and I'm willing, he is gonna disrupt your life, he's gonna shake things up, it's gonna seem impossible sometimes, it's gonna seem crazy sometimes, but it's also gonna grow your faith, it's gonna stretch you, He's going to teach you to depend on him, and when you get on the other side of it, you'll have more trust in him, you'll have more faith in him, you'll have more intimacy with him. And that's a beautiful thing. Now, I've learned that many times when I come to God and I bring my list of stuff, because I do, I bring a list to God. But when I hit pause, and I listen just long enough to hear his response, that oftentimes I say, God, here's all the stuff I'm praying about, here's all the things I need you to do. Oftentimes, when I pause on the other side of that, I hear him say, great, great. Thanks for bringing that to me. By the way, I'm about to show you why I put you in the path of these people because the answer to those prayers is you. It's you. It's you. I want you to go. I want you to serve. I want you to give. I want you to speak. I want you to demonstrate my love. What I've learned is when I bring prayers to God, I need to be willing to consider how God might have me be His response to the prayers I'm praying. I admit I still have sin. No surprise to anybody who knows me. So I'm still a little reluctant on this sometimes. But this is a prayer we got to ask. A question we got to ask. Am I willing to consider how God might want me to? Be part of the response, of his response, and helping that poverty-stricken person I'm praying for, and helping that marriage that's in crisis that I'm praying for, and assisting with these environmental concerns I've been praying about, or the, the financial woes that I'm praying about, or addressing conflict that I'm praying about. On all these things that confront me, am I willing to consider how God might use me to speak into those things? Now, a lot of you have participated in Rooted or are currently participating in Rooted. We got any Rooted people in here tonight, today? Woo, we got some of you, all right? One of the things I love about Rooted is that Rooted encourages us to journal our prayers, to write our prayers down. That's a beautiful thing. That's a good habit to be in. But I wonder what would happen. A lot of times I come to God, I've got my list of, of things I'm praying about, the things I'm praying for. But what I've learned is that's only half of it. I come with a page already filled. God, here's my prayer. Here are the things going on. Okay, God, I got a blank page. Speak. God, what do you want to say to me? God, where do you want me to move? God, how do you want me to respond? God, how do you want me to be generous? How do you want me to serve? Speak. I'm listening. And then let God... Fill up that page. And it may only be one thing. And it may be several. But give him space to speak to you. You know, I've learned that sometimes when I'm praying, I, I get frustrated by all the distractions going on. There might be people who walk in and interrupt. I'm like, I'm trying to talk to God. Get out of here, right? You know, because that's, a good attitude to have. Or, you know, There's noises or there's thoughts that come into my head. I'm like, mm, these things are getting in the way of my time with God. And what I've realized over the years is it's actually not stuff that gets in the way, but that's actually God speaking to me, bringing people across the way, bringing thoughts to me. And God says, hey, all these things that seem like a distraction are in fact the very thing I want to bring to your attention because I want to send you to those things. That person who just came in Fitz, I want you to go to that person. That thought you're having about that, I want you to go address that. Fitz, are you listening to me? You say we're talking, but just quiet down so you can hear me. And in those moments, I find that God redirects. You know, and I don't know what you might be praying for. I don't know the things you might be praying about. Maybe it's, you know, a marriage that's tough. And you say, God, I. I want to listen, how, how can I better love a spouse who doesn't seem to have much love for me, who doesn't seem to honor you? God, speak, I'm listening, show me how. Maybe the prayer is, God, I don't want to just go to a church, I don't want to just attend church, I want to be the church. God, how would you have me use my gifts, my talents, my abilities to strengthen your church? God, what do I have that might be a blessing to somebody else? Show me how to share it, who to share it with. God, who is it today that needs encouragement? And you listen for him to respond, and he will. And he may prompt you to call somebody out of the blue, to offer some compassion, to just let them know that they matter. He may nudge you to be generous in ways you've never been generous before, in ways that terrify you, but you'll know that he's got you. You know that you can trust him. Yet God may just use you in ways that you're not anticipating but give him room to speak. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 instructs us to never stop praying. Never stop. God is always listening, so keep talking. And God is always talking, so keep listening. And God is always moving, so keep following. Church, this is the essence of following Jesus. Jesus. It's not a one and done kind of thing. God, speak your servant's listening and I'm willing to obey. Like, it's not a one and done thing. Like, well, back in 2012, I prayed this prayer. God, speak, I'm listening. And, you know, then I was willing and it was, it was great. And then I stopped. No, 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 no. This is some because we all pray in that kind of voice, right? No, this is a prayer we pray every single day. Back in 1978, Christian musician Keith Green wrote a song. By the way, I was like one at the time, so I'm not dating myself too much here. But Keith Green wrote a song called Make My Life a Prayer to You. And I love that song because I love the idea that this is how we should live our lives, church, that this is how our church should live. That we, individually and collectively, are a prayer offered to God. God, here's what we bring from this world to you to invite you to move in our midst. But we know you're speaking, so we're listening. And we're willing to be your response to these things in our world. So God, we bring it to you and we invite you in. And you're going to send us out, so send us. But let us hear from you first. That we might not go the wrong way. May our lives be a prayer offered to him. Church, I pray that we begin each day by saying, God, here I am, I'm yours, I'm listening. Speak and give me courage to be willing to obey. But just know he's gonna he's gonna speak and he's gonna lead you to do some things. Sometimes those things are gonna be crazy. It's gonna disrupt your life. It's gonna gonna frustrate you at times. You're like, no, no, this was my day's agenda. And God's like, yeah, not anymore. (laughs) I had a different agenda for you now, baby. Just know he's gonna do some stuff like that. He may send you to some crazy places, to some crazy situations, but he's got you. So just know that. And know that when you pray the prayer, speak, Lord, your servant is listening and I'm willing. Just know that's a dangerous prayer. But know this too, that the only thing, there's one thing more dangerous than praying that prayer. And it's not praying that prayer. If you don't pray that prayer, I'm listening and I'm willing. You'll miss out on what God has for you. You'll miss out on so much that he wants to do in you and through you and for you. So church, may this be our prayer every single day. Let's keep praying. Let's keep allowing him to lead. Let's pray it now. Father, we come to you. And we confess that we've been so distracted at times by other the things in this world. We confess that we have taken our eyes off you. We have thought we could do it on our own. We've let our schedules get so full. We've allowed ourselves to become so busy that we just haven't made time for you. But God, in this moment, we come to you as individuals. We come to you as a church collective. And we say, speak. For we're here, and we're your servants, and we're listening, and we long to hear your voice. But God, give us courage to obey. And in this moment, we commit to begin listening more than speaking to you. And in this moment, we commit to listen for your voice every day, throughout the day. Give us courage to obey when we hear you, God. We surrender it all to you. God, may we let you speak. May we let you lead. May be willing to follow. I pray this in Jesus' name.